Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon that you've heard here on the campus. I will welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so uh, if this, hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, 9, 30, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. How many of you all own a drone? Any drone owners? None. How many of you all are hoping for a drone for Christmas? All right, yeah, they're amazing, right? But, uh, you know, before there was the drone, uh, my son, when he was much younger, probably over 10 years ago now, we bought him a thing called a hovercraft. And uh, this, this was the precursor to the amazing thing called the drone. The hovercraft was like a, um, a salad bowl made out of styrofoam, essentially, okay? And you turned it upside down, and it had a propeller inside of it. And the only thing it did is went up and down with the propeller. There's no side to side with the, with the hovercraft. And so we got the hovercraft. I believe it was on Christmas. I may be old and forgetting. It could be his birthday. But I think it was Christmas. We got the hovercraft, and man, the kids were fired up, you know? And so we took the hovercraft outside, and and because it couldn't go side to side, but it only went up and down, and it was made out of a kind of a light styrofoam, every gust of wind would move it, and it kept blowing into my neighbor's yard, and my neighbor cared deeply about his grass, and uh, he didn't want my kids running on it. And so I kept saying, you can't let the hovercraft, you know, go in the neighbor's yard. And so about the third time this happens, here goes the hovercraft heading towards my neighbor's yard. And I said, no, you can't let it go in the neighbor's yard. And so my son cut the power to the hovercraft and it dropped from about 35 feet in the air straight down. And I'm telling you, if we did the same exercise a thousand times, 999 times this would never happen. But on this one event, it dropped straight down and it went straight into the storm gutter drain and down the, down the sewer drain, just like that. And I had a young eight or nine-year-old boy, and he is just in tears, you know, at the hovercraft was gone. And, and I said, son, don't worry, there's next Christmas. And that didn't help any. So why did we put Joel on drums today? Why? That's going to be a department meeting next week. So uh, just kidding. I don't want your Christmas to be a short-lived event I don't want it to go from, man, Christmas, 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 to, man, I'm disappointed. And if you don't have the right view of Christmas, man, it, it, it's seasonal or it's a momentary thing. And, and God has more for us than that. It's when we understand what really is happening at Christmas, that God is displaying his love and salvation to us and for us through the incredible gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that Christmas will last. If you're just buying into what the world says about Christmas, it'll be an event, you'll go home, and man, you're gonna be disappointed, and I don't want you to be disappointed with Christmas. 
Now, as a church, we have been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, which is the prophet Isaiah telling the people of Israel, hey, there's a Messiah coming, and this is what his rule and his reign will look like. In fact, we just sang about this verse in the last song. I don't know, some of you may have picked up on that. Now, if you don't know Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, as soon as I read it, many of you go, oh yeah, I've seen that on a Christmas card. Oh yeah, I've seen that on a Christmas banner. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. And there's four names here given to the promised Messiah that define the rule and the reign of God's son, Jesus Christ. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Next week, we're going to look at the fourth one, Prince of Peace. This morning, I want to look at Everlasting Father. He shall be called this Christmas. I want you to view into the manger scene and I want you to understand that the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ is that of everlasting Father. Now, these are two words that I think should grip our hearts and grip our minds this Christmas season that will give us hope beyond the day of Christmas Day. The first word is everlasting. When you hear the word everlasting, I want you to think of permanent The rule and reign of Christ is permanent. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a part of an eternal kingdom. It's not just one day. It's not just, man, uh, the Christmas spirit of the season. It It is the belief and the hope that the reign of Christ is eternal and it's permanent. The author of Hebrews kind of latching onto this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says, therefore let us be grateful Why? Because we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's unshakable. The truths of the kingdom of God and the rule and the reign of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is everlasting and it's immovable. Isn't that great news? We live in a shifting world that things you never know from day to day, but not the reign of Christ. It's eternal and it's unshakable. And so the author of Hebrews says, that's why we worship, man. Let's offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Jesus Christ is the ruler and the reigner of an unshakable kingdom. That means that his words are true, his promises are true, and his promises are eternal. And so the Christmas spirit, if you will, is an eternal spirit of the truths of God that are not only true today, but they will be true forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You can take God's word to the bank because Jesus is the ruler of an eternal kingdom. I want to give you a little Christmas perspective this morning. Because 1 John, the apostle John, says this. In 1 John 2, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... Guess what? The love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. Church, I want you to hear this this morning. Maybe you're visiting this morning. Maybe it's been a while since you've been to church. Listen, all that surrounds the marketing in our culture of Christmas screams at us, hey, you need 
need to buy into, you need to pursue things that don't last. The marketing tells us it's stuff and success. And man, you need to look like this and you need to drive this and you get, need to get newer this and shinier that and bigger this. All that the, the Christmas marketing is giving us, John says, man, that is of the world and it's passing away. And if that's your pursuit this Christmas, you are pursuing things that don't last, John says. I want you to have more than that this Christmas. I want you to peer into the manger scene and I want you to see that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he's established for us something that's eternal, an eternal kingdom. And by the way, when you invest your life in something that's eternal or something that's everlasting, that gives us purpose in this life. So I'm not just looking to the future, although, man, we have a future glorious eternal life hope. But, man, more than that, Christ and his rule means that our life now has eternal significance. It has purpose. So when we give and we serve and we sacrifice beyond what we even think our capacities are, our Heavenly Father sees and our, our Heavenly Father rewards. I always remind my wife this. I'm like, you serve a lazy slouch at the house. And I know sometimes you think I, that I don't see, and oftentimes I don't see, but guess who does see? Our Heavenly Father sees. And our Heavenly Father rewards. I, I love 1 Corinthians 15. I, I wish I had time to preach on that whole passage this morning, but, but 1 Corinthians 15 is one of the longest sections of the Apostle Paul in the letter to the church of Corinth. We looked at it this past summer, and, and he spends 57 verses reminding us that actually the linchpin of all of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you're here this morning and you call yourself a Christian, but yet you do not believe in the miraculous resurrection of Christ, you're believing another gospel, a false gospel. The message of the gospel is Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He suffered and paid a penalty for sin that I owed and you owed. They placed him in a grave and three days later, he rose again as the first fruits of a great resurrection of all of those who believe. And Paul makes it plain, if there's no resurrection of the dead, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then your, your religiosity, if you will, is worthless. The linchpin is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 57 verses, Paul builds this case. And then the final verse is verse 58. And I think it's a, a fascinating verse to me. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, so Paul says, therefore, this is kind of the conclusion of this idea that if Christ didn't raise from the dead, our faith is worthless, but he did raise from the dead. Therefore, we have hope. And then he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that, the, that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Why is it not in vain? Because we we have, we, Jesus Christ has established an everlasting kingdom. And so our work, our service to him here on earth has everlasting purpose and significance. Isn't that cool? Man, what we do matters. We do it to worship Christ and a part of his kingdom. Why? Because we are worshiping a savior whose kingdom is everlasting. The third thing about the reign of Christ being eternal is God in his grace has granted us the gift of eternal life. He's granted us the gift of eternal life. God sent his son on Christmas as a rescue mission. Listen, if you're here this morning, don't take your sin lightly. 
Human nature, that's, that's what we like to say, which is true, like human nature. It's just my human nature. It's just, I just messed up. Now, your sin is not just some small mess up, it's a, it's a rebellion against the character and the word of God, and God doesn't take our sin lightly. We're just responsible for our rebellion against him. Our rebellion against our creator deserves death. It deserves the wrath and the judgment of God. But God in his grace, because our God is a giving God, because our God is a merciful God, our God has sent his most precious gift, his son Jesus Christ, his son who lived a perfect life. He suffered in payment in my place for my sin. When you look to the cross, when you read the Gospels and you, you get the picture of the suffering of Christ, I want you to remember, man, that is how much God hates sin. As Jesus paid for our sin on the cross and he died in my stead and they placed his lifeless body in a grave and three days later, the miracle of the resurrection and for all those who turn or acknowledge, confess their sin and repent of their sin and turn from their sin and believe in Jesus Christ, he is our resurrected, conquering hero. And for those who believe in Christ is the gift of eternal life, everlasting Father. John three sixteen. it's not just some crazy guy at the football game with wild hair and a sign up. Here it is, ready? For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world? What did he do, church? He gave, right? I mean, the giving of Christmas is the overflow of a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what, church? Eternal life. Isn't that great news? John chapter 10, Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give them what, church? Eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus talking to Martha after her brother had passed, and Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at Martha, and he says, do you believe this? And I, I wish I could go seat to seat this morning and look at each one of you in the eye and say, do you believe this? That answer has eternal consequences because we serve a God who sent his son who is reigning an eternal kingdom. Do you believe this? Because Jesus Christ is the hope of eternal life. And what an incredible hope we have this Christmas, Yes. And the Messiah, the Savior, sent from God, he, he gives us 80 or 90 years on earth to be a part of something that he is doing that is eternal, and he gives us the offering of eternal life. And Isaiah the prophet said, hey, Israel, you can look for this, the coming Messiah. He will be the everlasting, and here's the second word, everlasting father, everlasting father. Now, this isn't Trinitarian language, okay, where we're somehow confusing the Son and the Father. What the author of Isaiah is telling us is that the reign of Christ will not be a dictatorial reign, not be a tyrannical reign. It will be the, uh, the reign of a king that reigns and rules like a loving, caring father. That will be the, the oversight of the reign of Christ. Now, how does a loving father reign? Well, he rules with discipline. 
caring, godly, fatherly discipline. That's good news, by the way. Have you ever... You ever been out and about? Maybe you're here at church this morning, right? And you see some kid in the lobby and they're misbehaving. Now, I know no children would misbehave on Christmas Eve, okay? We're all trying to make the nice list. But, uh, you know, but you see some kid misbehaving and if it's not your kid, you kind of shrug it off, right? Could have been my kid, actually. So, you know, it's, it's not your kid, you kind of shrug it off. But if it's your kid, because you care about the path of their life, you'll intervene, and you'll instruct and you'll love and give loving discipline, right? Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're, and you're on the path of sin and, and God is, is, there's some shame and there's some guilt and there's some internal wrestle and maybe there's even some discipline, that's a good thing. Why? Because the Father loves you in Christ. And Christ's rule is with fatherly and caring discipline. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. God loves us in Christ. If you're here this morning, you're a Christian. He disciplines us so we don't stray too far. Everlasting father. The final thing about the word father is care and concern. Care and concern. And as you peer into the manger this morning and over this weekend and at Christmas time, I hope that what you see there is a heavenly father, a God who cares for you. God cares for you. We do not worship and serve a distant, uncaring, disconnected God. It's easy to think that, right? We go through troubles in life, it's easy to lose perspective, but but the manger scene reminds us that God cares and that God loves. And when we repent of our sin and we submit our life to Christ, he is not a harsh, uncaring, disconnected savior. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And 1 Peter 5 says we can cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so as you peer in the manger scene today, I want you to know God cares for you. If you're here today and you feel the burden of sin in your life, if you turn from your sin, you can come home today to a savior that cares with fatherly care. Maybe you've come here today and you feel lost and you feel lonely and you feel broken. The offer is to come home today. The prophet Isaiah said when talking about Christ, he shall be called everlasting father. And if that's where you are, I wanna, I wanna encourage you this morning to do business with God. I want to tell you something, this, this moment, if the Holy Spirit through the word of God is working on your heart and your soul and your mind, this is the greatest gift you can have this Christmas season. You don't have to run any longer. You don't have to do it on your own any longer. God has sent us a son, a savior, and he shall be called everlasting father. You don't have to go through another Christmas where the day ends and there's some measure of disappointment. 
because our everlasting Father has given us something to hope in that will last, both in this life and the life to come, eternal life. And so here's what I want to do. I want to offer you, if that's you this morning, God's Spirit's working on you this morning. Maybe today's the day to come home. Today's the day to turn from you and the way you do things and the way you've been thinking and your worldview and pursuing your own life and saying, you know what, I, I recognize that's in rebellion to the things of God. And today's the day to come home. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's nothing magical about the prayer, but the prayer is an opportunity to do business with God and say, you know what, I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm going to come home because God has sent his son, our everlasting father. So let's do this. Bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to pray. If that's you this morning, you can reconnect with your creator and know the eternal joy of the true meaning of Christmas. So I'm going to pray this out loud. You pray in your heart, in your mind. It's an opportunity to do business with God. Heavenly father, today I confess that I've been hoping in things that will not last Heavenly Father, I confess here this morning, Christmas Eve, that I need to reconnect with you, my Creator and my God. I understand, Heavenly Father, that I have sinned, that you, because of my sin, you sent a Savior, your Son. As best I understand it today, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that Jesus is your Son. He is God in flesh born on Christmas Day. I confess that he lived a perfect life. He died a death in my place, and he rose again, defeating sin's consequences. And as best I know how, I put my trust in your son, Jesus, the Messiah. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.